This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. It is uh, the 21st day of March, our first full day of spring. And uh, last night here in the mountains of western North Carolina, we got down to 29 degrees and I had forgotten I had taken my uh, citrus trees outside. Fortunately, I remembered just before I went to bed that it was supposed to get kind of chilly, so I went and brought them in, and it uh, looks like they survived the night, so we're happy about that. Uh, I'm happy that you're here. I am happy that the Red Sox uh, finally did something in the free agent market. Fans, of course, have been screaming, uh, wondering what the heck uh, the Red Sox are doing or what they're not doing, um, and... Uh, uh, fortunately, uh, they finally uh, got something going this weekend, and they signed Trevor Story. Um, so thank God for that. And it, it, look, it uh, it brings up a whole mess of problems. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a problem, but obviously the uh, they've got Jan- Xander Bogarts already at shortstop. Uh, Bogart says that uh, he wants to be the shortstop, and the Red Sox supposedly, when they were um, doing the recruitment, I guess you could say, of Trevor Story, uh, they assured Xander Bogarts that he would continue to be the shortstop, and supposedly Bogarts was even in on the talks with Trevor Story. Uh, don't know if that's true or not, but, um, you know, look, Bogarts is saying all the right things. Um, does he have a choice? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, look, here's the deal. He's got an opt out at the end of this year and it's possible that the Red Sox, well, not possible. Uh, it's probable that the Red Sox signed Trevor story and it's a six year deal. It's $140 million. And I am 100% certain that the Red Sox did this because they're hedging their bets as to whether or not uh, Xander Bogarts is going to opt out or not. If he chooses to opt out, well, they've got Trevor Story in waiting. Now, Story's got an opt out after his the fourth year of the six-year deal. Look, um, here's the thing. Defensively, Trevor Story is a better shortstop than Xander Bogarts. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you look, and I am not, you know how I feel about uh, about defensive metrics uh, or about analytics in general. Can't stand them. Um, but 
this was a case of if you look at those things, it tells you that Trevor Story is a much better shortstop. Not even close. If you look at defensive runs saved over the last several years, Xander Bargarts is in at the minus. Uh, minus like, uh, you know, 49 or 46 or something like that. And Trevor Story, ladies and gentlemen, is at the top of the heap. He is one of the best in Major League Baseball. He has made some great plays at shortstop. Defensively, he is better. There are some questions about Story with his elbow. He spent some time on the injured list last year with an elbow problem. So moving him to second base, you wonder, you know, perhaps that's going to help Story in the long run if there are still some lingering issues uh, with that elbow. Making the shorter throws from second base perhaps will help that. He's not a complete stranger to second base. He hasn't played it in the major leagues, but he did play it in the minor leagues. He played both second base and third base in the minor leagues. Um, look, this makes the team better, not just defensively. And, you know, you can talk all you want about the fact that he played in Coors Field and, you know, people have uh, inflated numbers in Coors Field. You can't argue that. Excuse me. But there are other people that have played at Coors Field and have left and have had success in other places. Uh, he was a, uh, he's a 272 career hitter, but he hit 300 at Coors Field. He hit 241 on the road. You know, and look, over the course of his career, he has averaged 34 homers and 22 steals a season, if well, over 162 games. The speed isn't going to change. I don't believe the home runs are actually going to change if you look at the fact he's going from a hitter-friendly ballpark in Coors to a hitter-friendly ballpark at Fenway. For a guy who is a right-handed hitter, that green monster is huge. Um, you know, Now, the green monster does take away some home runs that might have been on the road that might be out, but they're still going to be doubles off the wall. You know, right field is a poke at Fenway Park unless you're, you know, unless you're pulling it down the line down the pesky pole for a left-handed hitter. But by and large, for a right-handed hitter, uh, right field is where balls go to die. Well, for Trevor Story, he is going to probably put some dents in that wall. And if and the uh, uh, somebody I don't know don't remember who it was, but somebody took a look um, at all his hits last year. And they said that uh, if all of his batted balls last year took place at Fenway Park, he would have hit 38 bombs last year. He would have hit 42 in 2019. So uh, if you look at that, the numbers tell you that there's not going to be that big of a drop-off. He hit 24 homers in 142 games for the Rockies last year. Well, if these if these numbers are correct, and he would have hit, you know, 34 at Fenway, you know, perhaps there won't be the drop-off that people fear. Uh, he has played at Fenway Park before. I think he's got 18 total at-bats at Fenway Park. He, you know, he hasn't done well. He's hit like 200. But you can't you can't go off of uh, 18 at-bats and, and, and translate that into what he'll do at Fenway. But there is no doubt this makes the Red Sox a much, much better team. 
Um, and and look, I prefer. I would prefer if the Red Sox re-sign Xander Bogarts. I wish that Xander Bogarts. You know, and maybe this is a conversation that will happen, but I, I, I have a feeling Xander Bogarts is on his way out, and the Red Sox know that. You know, when he signed that big deal, you know, it was for only $20 million a year, and only $20 million a year. I get it. It's a lot of money. You know, I, I was talking to, to my wife, Barb, about this last night. She says, oh, the poor guy, only only getting $20 million. Well, that's right, but when you look at what the shortstop market will bear – and what guys like Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor and people like that are signing for, Xander Bogarts, there is no question that he is underpaid. And he was going, and, and he's getting to a point in his career, if he's going to get paid, this is when he has to do it. You know, my preference would be that he stays in Boston and the Red Sox figure out a way to lock him up and perhaps they can convince Xander Bogarts, hey, look, we'll take care of you but we want you to move to second base and let's move Trevor Story to shortstop because it makes us a much better team, period. Whether he'll do that or not, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think he's as good as gone. You know, uh, which is sad. He's Look, he's been uh, he's a great citizen in Boston. He's a great player in Boston. And uh, fans will not be happy to see him go. But if they do, if that does happen, it does mean that the Red Sox then have to put uh, a lot of money and throw it at Rafi Devers, their young third baseman who's uh, approaching his uh, 25th birthday, and they need to lock him up long-term and keep him in Boston. You can't let both Bogarts and Devers walk. You've got to keep one of them. I mean, obviously, everybody's preference in the beginning was you keep them both. But if uh, if you've got Trevor Story locked up for the foreseeable future and Bogarts walks, that means Rafi Devers is a must, must sign. Uh, and look, um, the other the other trickle down of this it means that Kike Hernandez is going to be playing the outfield, not playing second base. And it means you have Christian Arroyo becomes your utility infielder. He plays second. He can play short. He can play third. Uh, and now he gives them an opportunity to give Bogart's days off, Trevor Story days off, uh, Devers a day off. And, you know, Trevor Story is going to see some time at shortstop because when they give Bogart's a day off, they will likely shift Story to short. They put – Christian Arroyo at second base, there you go. You know, and with the flexibility that Arroyo has and the flexibility that Kike Hernandez has, uh, you know, the Red Sox can uh, really, late in games, make a lot of moves. You know, now the question is with Kike, where do you put him? Kike Hernandez has was a great center fielder for the Red Sox last year. Did a great job out there. Well, the problem is you've now signed Jackie Bradley Jr., now, uh, it doesn't mean that it precludes you from uh, playing Kike Hernandez in center field, and it especially gives the Red Sox more flexibility if Jackie Bradley Jr. has an absolutely awful offensive year again. Now, I don't see how he can possibly be as bad as he was with Milwaukee last year. You know, we have all seen him have some uh, struggles in Boston, you know, we have we have seen him uh, struggle mightily. But it doesn't mean that's going to happen in Boston 
on a long-term basis. He's always managed to come out of that funk. We've never seen him uh, have as bad a year as he had in Milwaukee last year. So it gives them uh, a little bit of flexibility out there. It means that, uh, you know, it means that probably Alex Verdugo is locked in in right field because he's absolutely got the best arm. So I think he plays right field. Could you move JBJ there? I suppose you could. But I think Verdugo is in right. And then I guess you have to figure out whether it's going to be JBJ, whether it's going to be Kike, whether it's going to be maybe Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran has looked pretty good in spring training. Now, I know it's only four games, or I think he's only been in a couple of them, but he has gotten on base. He's got a couple of hits. He's got a couple of walks. Uh, you know, maybe Jaron Duran becomes your left fielder. Maybe JBJ becomes your left fielder. I, I, I think it's more likely uh, that JBJ starts in center, Kike starts in left, and Verdugo starts in right. That would be my guess. And I know this. If that's the outfield, the Red Sox are going to be able to cover an awful lot of ground. So that's the other part of this Trevor Story signing that I really like is that it doesn't just impact what's going to happen in the Red Sox infield. Uh, I think the outfield can potentially become even better. I think Kike is much better served for the Red Sox, at least, in the outfield than he is on the infield. So, look, you know, Red Sox fans have been dying. They've watched people, you know, they watched the Toronto Blue Jays throw a ton of money at people. They've watched the Yankees make trades and and sign Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, and so everybody's like all of a sudden they're thinking the Red Sox are the third or fourth best team in the American League East. This puts them right back in the conversation. You know, there is no doubt that the Red Sox are going. I, I will be shocked if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs. Now, I say that. It's going to depend on pitching, obviously. It's going to depend on how long Chris Sale is out with that broken rib. They're saying he is likely not to even start throwing a baseball probably until the start of the regular season. So it's going to be a couple of more weeks before he even starts. I think at best you're seeing Chris Sale the first week of June. So that means you are probably losing eight starts, nine starts of Chris Sale. You know, that's a bit concerning. There's no question about that. Tanner Houck has, was told yesterday that he is going to be in the rotation. He pitched in the spring training game yesterday, looked pretty good, went two and two-thirds innings, only gave up a, a solo home run, and uh, they took him out after 48 pitches, two and two-thirds. He said he could have kept going, but they're going to, you know, keep a close eye on this on this short spring uh, with how guys are doing. So, Right now, and Nick Pavetta looked great in his start. Uh, Nick Pavetta on Saturday breezed through three innings, and he looked like a Cy Young Award winner. Nate Evaldi looked pretty good for his first couple of innings. They tried to extend him to a third inning, gave up a couple of runs, but he didn't look bad either. So now you're looking at, you know, Evaldi, Pavetta, Tanner, Houck, and then where are we going? It looks like... uh, It looks like Rich Hill is going to probably get one of those spots. Uh, Rich Hill is going to pitch, I believe, today for the Red Sox against the Atlanta Braves. And then you've got Michael Walker, You've got Connor Siebold. Uh, you've got some other guys. That fifth spot in the rotation is one that they're going to have to really work on. There's, some, there's a chance that Garrett Whitlock 
becomes a starter. I hope they don't do that. Um, he was great out of the bullpen last year. I think they should keep him there, but we shall see. But anyway, the Red Sox with their biggest free agent contract in a long, long time, and they give it to Trevor Story. And by the way, the uh, the biggest one that they had given out uh, in recent memory was when they signed David Price. <laughs> that that didn't work out so well for Boston. They gave David Price. Seven years and $217 million. Remember that? That was a disaster. An absolute disaster. They ended up, you know, basically uh, paying the Los Angeles Dodgers to take them, to take them or take, take them away. Uh, David Price is going to be the number five starter on the Dodgers this year, and he's making like $30 million. Uh, that was a train wreck. So hopefully – this deal for uh, Trevor Story turns out to be better than that. Uh, and look, you know, there's a lot of young kids coming from this Boston team. You know, Trevor Story could fit right in there with Rafi Devers already there. Bobby Dahlbeck has looked great this spring. He looked great at the end of last season. We, Christian Cassis is coming. Uh, the Red Sox have some good young talent in the pipeline. And, you know, they're going to have money to spend J.D. Martinez's contract is up at the end of this year. You know they're not going to re-sign him. If if Bogey does opt out, they get they give that money to Devers. Um, they're going to have money to spend next year as well. So the Red Sox are primed to, to stay in contention this year for sure. And I think financially they are going to be in a position to uh, uh, to keep themselves at the top of the American League East for quite some time. Uh, it was, it's, it's been wonderful. I, you know, I can't tell you how great it is to watch baseball and watching the Red Sox yesterday and they continue to win as I, as I continue to remind my wife, the games don't count. I have to remind myself that the Red Sox haven't lost yet in spring training. They're perfect four and Uh, I wish they could take some of those, put them in the bank for the regular season, but, uh, they've looked good and they've thrown the ball very, very well, no matter who they have thrown out there. Uh, you know, some of these guys that are coming up and pitching, uh, you know, you, you, you won't see in a Red Sox uniform in the majors perhaps ever, but at the end of the day, the Red Sox have, have gotten timely hitting and, uh, they have thrown the ball well, at least here early in spring training. Uh, last Red Sox note I have, uh, report came out yesterday. Uh, David Price had hired a former, uh, the former Boston police commissioner, Ed Davis, uh, to do an investigation on uh, his shooting that happened back in 2019. And Ed Davis and uh, somebody who was a former member of the uh, uh, the CIA participated in this uh, uh, investigation, and they have come to the conclusion that David Ortiz was targeted by a drug kingpin in the Dominican Republic, uh, a guy... Uh, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Cesar the Abuser Peralta. There's there's a there's a moniker for you. Uh, that he for some reason he felt disrespected by Ortiz and he put a hit out on him. Now whether that's true or not, who knows? Uh, that's not what the Dominican authorities had come up with. But as David Ortiz pointed out, uh, you know he hired these guys because you can't always trust what the authorities are saying in the Dominican Republic. There is a lot of uh, uh, corruption down there. Uh, but this is what they've come up with. So, you know, of course, remember it was a, it, at first it was, well, it was a case of mistaken identity. Well, according to this investigation now that's gone on for the last 
pretty much the last almost the last year, they've come up with the fact that he was targeted by a drug kingpin who, by the way, is currently serving uh, or is serving time in a Puerto Rico jail. Uh, he's being held without bond um, uh, for uh, drug trafficking. And uh, th- but they're also saying, by the way, his his attorney in Miami. This I love this. His my his attorney in Miami, a guy by the name of Joaquin Perez, said that uh, his client had nothing to do with the attempt on David Ortiz's life. Now I love this. This is this is this is his attorney. The attorney says, as bad as Cesar Peralta is, it's not even close to being in the ballpark to say he had something to do with this. Well, okay, so he's basically saying, look, my guy didn't have anything to do with it. But what I love it is, is he prefaces the comment with, as bad as my client is. He didn't do this, <laughs> you know. Uh, so on the one hand, it's like, yeah, no, he didn't do it. But on the other hand, yeah, this guy really is a scumbag. But I promise, he didn't do it, even though he is a scumbag. <laughs> I wonder how that's sitting uh, with Perez and uh, some of his henchmen down in uh, down in the Dominican Republic. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Uh, just a couple of uh, notes, a couple other peaks around uh, the uh, spring training yesterday. Uh, the Minnesota Twins. Uh, with a reclamation project in Dylan Bundy, he got his first start of the spring. Yesterday, he pitched two scoreless innings. Uh, the results really don't matter, uh, but the Twins beat the Tampa Bay Rays 3 to nothing. Uh, what is interesting is uh, we've seen uh, uh, Gary Sanchez getting some time for Minnesota early in the season because the Red Sox have, have played them. Uh, Gary Sanchez struggling at the plate early on, but again, it's very, very early. Um, Gio Urshela also struggling, doesn't have a hit yet in spring training, uh, but they beat the uh, Tampa Bay Rays 3-0 yesterday. But uh, Dylan Bundy, really the story of this one. Uh, look, the Twins have made some some big splashes. Sarling Carlos Correa, nobody saw that coming. Uh, they have made some moves that would lead you to believe that this team can be competitive. Of course, we thought they were going to be competitive last year, but at the end of the day for the Minnesota Twins, the story is pitching. And if they don't have pitching, and right now they don't, you know, their their pitching, frank, frankly, folks, is a dumpster fire. And I read all these uh, these pundits from Minnesota telling us about how great this Minnesota team is going to be. Well, I'll tell you what, offensively they better be great because they're going to have to win games nine to eight. You know, Kenta Maeda, their best pitcher, is out for a good part of the year uh, rehabbing from an injury. So that pitching staff is a mess. And if you're counting on Dylan Bundy, you could be in big, big trouble. Now, you know, the first two innings, good for him in the spring, look great. They better hope that that's exactly what they're going to get uh, because they are going to need uh, a a yeoman-like effort from that pitching staff for that team to really compete. But we'll see. Um, The Atlanta Braves yesterday, uh, yesterday with a win, uh, they got some of their regulars in. Marcelo Zuna, who sat out a good part of last year, uh, with a domestic violence uh, suspension, uh, got in the game yesterday. Ozzy Albies played yesterday. Uh, uh, Adam Duvall played yesterday. So they got a lot of their regulars in. The Atlanta Braves uh, beat the Philadelphia Phillies 5-1. to one. The Phillies waiting to get their new acquisitions in. Of course, they signed uh, Kyle Schwarber. But then also over the weekend, they signed Nick Castellanos. This team is going to rake. They are another team that has a ton of offense. You know, you add uh, Castellanos and Schwarber uh, in with, uh, you know, Bryce Harper 
and some of these other big bats that the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have. And, you know, if you're a Philly fan, you're optimistic. But, again, who's going to get outs? You know, if you're counting on Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola's coming off one of the worst seasons of his career. You know, so you better hope that uh, some of these guys have bounce-back seasons or it is going to be another long year in Philadelphia. And, and as uh, we all know, Philly fans are very, very patient. So that should go uh, – <laughs> that should go well. Uh, the Yankees yesterday played the Tigers. They lost 8-7. Luis Severino got his first start of the spring and got uh, whacked around a little bit, gave up four runs in just a couple of innings. Can't read too much into it. It's spring training. Uh, but, geez, you hate to see the Yankees struggling, don't you? Uh, Anthony Rizzo actually led off the game, uh, played first base, and they had him in the leadoff position. Aaron Judge was in the game, Joey Gallo, uh, Carlo Stanton, Glaber Torres. They had uh, Isaiah Kainafalefa. They threw out uh, – uh, pretty much their regular everyday lineup for the Yankees. Yes, they scored a lot of runs, uh, but the Detroit Tigers uh, scored more, and they went 8-7. Again, doesn't matter, but you love seeing that. The Mets lose yesterday 6-4. Uh, Didn't throw out a lot as, in terms of pitching yesterday, but uh, Francisco Lindor played. Uh, Brendan Nimmo played. He's still healthy so far. You hope that continues to be the case. Pete Alonso uh, got in the game as well. Robinson Cano is back. I had forgotten about Robinson Cano. A uh, guy who was suspended for PED use for an entire year last year is back. He was the designated hitter for the Mets. Uh, went one for three. Uh, you know, don't count him out. I mean, I know he's getting older, but uh, and he's a defensive liability. But the fact that they've got him and they can put him at designated hitter uh, with the universal DH that is going to be an advantage for the Mets. I think uh, uh, his return a little bit underrated. Uh, and the Dodgers and the Cubs yesterday played to a 2-2 tie. Again, not much to get too excited about there. Uh, but uh, the Dodgers uh, being very careful, by the way, with Mookie Betts um, coming back off that bone spur from the hip. Supposedly he is healthy, but they are going to take it very, very easy uh, with how much he plays uh, this spring. The Toronto Blue Jays did what a lot of people are expecting them to do all year this year. They put up a 10 spot over the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday. Uh, Anthony Kay, former UConn product, got the start for the uh, the Blue Jays yesterday. Uh, got the win, not that it matters in uh, spring training. But Matt Chapman hit his first uh, spring training home run for the Toronto Blue Jays, a two-run shot. Randall Gritchick with a couple of shots, uh, a couple of hits. Uh, Greg Bird making a comeback attempt uh, at first base for the uh, uh, for the Blue Jays. He's not going to play first base. He might be their backup because obviously Vlad Jr. is their first baseman. Uh, although I suppose they could put him at DH as well. Uh, but Greg Bird trying to make a comeback. Uh, he went one for three yesterday uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, also hit uh, uh, hit his first spring training home run. So the Blue Jays are going to put up some runs, and they've got the pitching staff to back it up. i got to be honest with you. That's the team that concerns me more than any other team in the American League this year. They concern me more than the Houston Astros uh, or anybody out of the Central. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are the team to beat. I don't think that with all the moves that they has, have made, there is no doubt in my mind that anybody that wants to win the American League East uh, or win the American League has to go through the Toronto Blue Jays. I will be shocked if they're not in the uh, American League uh, Championship Series. It is 33 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning at spring. 
sure it doesn't feel like spring to a lot of us, at least early in the morning, although it's going to get up into the 60s today. But, man, it was uh, it was cold this morning. Uh, by the way, I just a uh, quick personal note. I want to thank those of you that have uh, checked in and asked about my mom. My mom is actually uh, doing a little bit better. Uh, she has made some progress we did not think would happen, to be honest with you. She is actually going to be able to go back home uh, to her apartment. Uh, she's going to have to have some assistance, but she's going to be able to go back home after uh, – uh, after suffering a stroke. So uh, thank to thank you uh, to those of you that have checked in. I, it means a lot to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she's going home, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, I'll tell you who else is happy, Celtics fans. Um, right now the Celtics are the hottest team in basketball. I mean, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks are playing pretty well too, but the Celtics right now are 44-28. and 28. Ten games left to play. This team's going to win 50 games. Uh, they've won 8 of 10. They are t- essentially tied with the Philadelphia 76ers for third place in the Eastern Conference. They're only a half a game behind Milwaukee. And I mean to tell you, they aren't just beating people. They are beating the ever-living crap out of people. Uh, they tuned up the Denver Nuggets yesterday to the tune of uh, 124 to 104. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, 30 points apiece. That is the sixth time this year that those guys have each scored 30 points in a game at the same time. That is more than any other uh, tandem in the NBA this season. And I'll tell you what, you know, think about this. Uh, Celtic fans are excited, and they should be, the way they're playing right now. You know, just imagine if, if Brown and Tatum had stayed healthy all season and they'd been able to be on the court at the same time. When you look at, at, at how often – uh, one or the other of them has not been able to play. It's amazing. Uh, the Celtics shot 64% in the first half yesterday. 64%. They shot 57% against the Nuggets for the game. Shot 19 for 40 from three-point range. Uh, and outside of Nikola Jokic, uh, Denver was uh, missing in action. Uh, Jokic had 23 points. Uh, but I want to tell you, this Celtics team is unbelievable. And, you know, you add in not just what uh, uh, what Brown and Jason Tatum are doing. Uh, Peyton Pritchard had five threes in the game yesterday. He has been huge. Uh, I mean, just unbelievable. Every, up and down the lineup, everybody is contributing. And this Celtics team um, is making people in Boston believe that maybe they truly do have a chance. Uh, to win the NBA championship. I don't know if I want to get that carried away uh, because the Phoenix Suns are uh, ridiculous. Uh, The Phoenix Suns are as hot as it gets, and I'm not sure that uh, the Celtics are ready for that. The Phoenix Suns are 58-14. and I mean, that's crazy. Uh, So, uh, and, and Memphis is pretty good, but outside of that, you know, I think the Celtics, can they go to the NBA championship? You know, they might. They might. I mean, the Eastern Conference is, there's so much parity in the Eastern Conference where, you know, Boston's only three and a half games behind Miami for the top spot. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the Celtics could get there. And I think the thing that's most impressive to me um, is the fact that within their own conference, the Celtics actually have the second best record. Outside of the Miami Heat, the Celtics have the best record in the Eastern Conference in conference games. So, uh, look, they've won three in a row in eight of ten. 
Don't count them out. That's all I'm saying. Um, and then there's the Boston Bruins. And the Bruins have been as good as it gets as well. I don't know how excited to get about the Bruins. I have to be honest. And I've watched a lot of their games. And, uh, you know, look, they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They're in the number one wild card spot right now with 81 points. Um, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they could move up. The Celtics have been impressive as hell on the road. And then they made a big splash just before the trade deadline when they got defenseman Hampus Lindholm from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Lindholm is a guy that is a difference maker on the blue line, and the Celtics have needed a, a another top-flight defenseman, and now they've got it in Lindholm. And they gave up a lot to get him. They gave up a first-round pick this year, uh, and then second-round picks in 2022 and 2023, along with uh, Earl Vakaninen and John Moore. So two players, a first-round pick, and two second-round picks for Lindholm. And the Bruins made sure that it was going to be worth it because they then signed Lindholm to an eight-year extension for $52 million. So he's going to be in a Bruins uniform for a very, very long time. Uh, look, they've won 11 of their last 14. They're 11-2-1 over the last 14. Uh, you can make the case that right now the Bruins might be the hottest team in, in the NHL. And, you know, everybody is so bunched up. Really, there is nobody in this league that stands head and shoulders over anybody. Uh, you know, Florida sits in first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Carolina's been really good. But the, the Bruins have been able to hold their own against those teams. And, look, the Bruins have uh, a favorable schedule. Uh, they get to play the uh, Montreal Canadiens tonight. Now, Lindholm will not be in uniform uh, for that one yet, uh, but he will be back on Thursday when they play Tampa, and that is a big game against Tampa. They're only three points behind uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, so that'll be a big game for Lindholm to make his debut uh, with the Boston Bruins. Uh, Bruins should have a victory uh, under their belt by the Montreal Canadiens. Look, it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they could jump out of the uh, the wild card slot, and I don't think they're going to challenge Florida for top spot. Uh, but there is no question that Tampa Bay and Toronto are both within the sights of the uh, the Boston Bruins. So a lot of fun stuff happening in Boston right now. And look, you know, uh, remember that one year we had where like it seemed like everybody was winning, you know, the the Patriots and. Uh, you know, the Celtics and I mean, but I, I don't want to get too carried away, you know, and, and I don't think uh, we're going to see that. I don't think we're going to see them both win uh, the NHL title and the NBA title. And, you know, we you know, Patriots are I'm worried about the Patriots. You know, we're going to talk football in a minute. I'm a little worried about the Patriots. Uh, while all this other free agent nonsense is going around, the Patriots have had, kind of had radio silence. Uh, and what a, the, the big excitement in the Boston Globe, they're excited because the, uh, the Patriots are bringing in Malcolm Butler for a tryout. Now, Malcolm Butler is uh, in the pantheon of uh, greats for New England for one play that he made against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But his better days are behind him. And if, if you're getting excited because Malcolm Butler is coming in for a tryout, and that's going to be the uh, big news in the free agent market for the, for the Patriots. Oh, my Lord. 
<laughs> I'm a little bit. They better have a hell of a draft. That's all I've got to say. Or or Bill Belichick better have some moves under under the radar somewhere because I'm worried. Uh, it seems to me that the Patriots are going backwards, not forward. So I'm a little bit worried about them. It's 43 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. We're back to wrap things up. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. So I'm sure, like everybody, uh, it, you know, my thumb's been a little sore uh, when I wasn't outside working uh, on the projects at the garden and stuff. Uh, I've been watching the Red Sox have been on television, uh, but, of course, the NCAA tournament, and I have been uh, switching between uh, uh, all the channels the games have been on. And, man, I'll tell you what, I just I love this time of year. You know, and I made this comment on, on, on Twitter the other day. I love college basketball so much more than the NBA. It is not even funny. I mean, I, I'm not a big NBA fan. I, you know, I've, I've said that many times, but I can watch any college basketball game, and these have been so much fun. Uh, and nothing is more fun, of course, than the St. Peter's Peacocks. Uh, of course, they absolutely destroyed my bracket by beating Kentucky. I Kentucky getting to the Final Four, but I'm sure I wasn't the only one that had that problem. Uh, but they kept it going. You know, I mean, that is the thing that, that you love. Not only uh, not only do they knock off uh, Kentucky, then they knock off Murray State. And now they are in the Sweet 16. Uh, and, and look, uh, they've got to play number three seed of Purdue next. And so, of course, you know, the, the natural inclination is to say, well, it's been a nice run, you know, we'll see you. But, hey. You know, as Shaheen Holloway, their head coach, said, everybody keeps saying we can't do this and we can't do that. Uh, we don't have this. We don't have that. Well, guess what? Here we are. How do you like us now? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not saying they can't, but, man, they, I tell you what, what a great story. Uh, they are just the third number 15 seed to make the uh, uh, the Sweet 16 ever in the tournament. It's pretty cool. Uh, last year, Oral Roberts, of course, was a team – uh, that everybody uh, was excited about, and they did it last year. They came. They missed a three-pointer at the buzzer. If they had b- hit that, they would have beaten Arkansas to go to the Elite Eight. So uh, this year it's uh, St. Peter's, and uh, everybody is uh, going to be watching that one. Uh, I wish them a lot of luck. Uh, and then uh, uh, Coach K and Duke, they are still alive. Uh, had to make a hell of a comeback, but uh, Duke uh, will now play – Texas Tech, that should be a lot of fun. Texas Tech is a, a, a really, really good team. They had to uh, make a bit of a comeback in their game as well yesterday, but uh, uh, Duke and uh, Mike Krzyzewski still uh, alive after they came back uh, to beat Michigan State 85-76. to That was a game that was tied, I think, at like 74, something like that, and then Duke just absolutely uh, uh, put it away at the end, and so they are still alive. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Um and uh, Gonzaga, they had me a little bit nervous. I've got Gonzaga winning the national championship. Uh, they had to they had to work a little bit to come back uh, uh, to win their game yesterday. But uh, they now will take on uh, Arkansas uh, in the uh, Sweet 16. And Villanova, the other team I have going to the championship game, uh, they are going to take on number 11, Michigan. Michigan uh, making a bit of an improbable run, knocking off number three, Tennessee. Um, I guess it's uh, a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say vindication because, uh, you know, 
getting your head coach suspended because <laughs> you because you punch uh, or slap a, an assistant coach for the other team not a great look. Uh, but uh, they will uh, make a run against Villanova. Uh, good luck with that one. But Juwan Howard, uh, you know, look, uh, the one thing I will say for Juwan Howard, very classy move after they beat Tennessee, one of the Tennessee players absolutely distraught, uh, did a nice job of consoling the kid. Now, I guess he'd known it. He played with his son at some point uh, in AAU ball, but still uh, a nice gesture there. Um, so Villanova will uh, carry the torch for the Big East against Michigan and the other Big East team still alive. Uh, Providence College, uh, they've got their hands full. A very, very physical uh, Kansas team, a number one seed. Uh, they absolutely blew out the Richmond Spiders. Um, and uh, so they will take on Providence 27-5. Look, Providence won the Big East regular season championship. They got knocked out of the tournament very quickly. Um, and a lot of people keep saying that Providence team isn't very good. They went 27-5, and five, folks. You don't go 27-5 and five in a great conference like the Big East and not be a good team. Uh, any other fun game, how about this? How about uh, Iowa State and Miami, a number 10 seed against a number 11 seed in the Sweet 16. So we know that a, a double-digit seed is going to make it into the Elite Eight. Um, and, uh, look, good for Miami, by the way. Jim Laranega got a two-year contract extension uh, and uh, they did a good job yesterday, and uh, so they advance. So that's where we are as far as the men's basketball tournament goes. My bracket's a mess. Uh, technically, I still have three of my final four still alive, but uh, uh, my bracket is on life support. Uh, the UConn women uh, play today. They have uh, Central Florida uh, in their second-round game. That should be an, an, an easy breeze for that one. Uh, but the big stunner in the women's tournament yesterday, number two Baylor lost to South Dakota State. South Dakota State, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 61 to 47. You know, and it's great. For, look, it is great uh, for the women's tournament because number 10 Creighton beat number two Iowa on Sunday afternoon as well. That is great for the women's tournament. There was a, a time when you would never see upsets like that um, in the women's tournament because it just there wasn't that kind of parity. We finally have a situation in women's basketball where you can see upsets. And it is the greatest thing for women's basketball that you could see. It used to be that it was the top four or five teams and they were going to kill everybody else until they played each other. But now we're seeing some parity uh, and it is great. Absolutely great. Uh, one last note before we get out of here. Football. When we were talking on Friday, we were mentioning the fact that Deshaun Watson had decided against signing with the Cleveland Browns. It looked like he was going to the New Orleans Saints. I get off the air, and not a couple of hours later, you find out that Deshaun Watson has indeed signed with the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, it was Friday. It was like he's he's not going to sign, but uh, Baker Mayfield is, has been told that uh, they don't want him. They want Deshaun Watson. So Baker Mayfield says, well, you didn't get Deshaun Watson. Well, guess what? I don't want you to have me either. I want to be traded. Well, now they're going to have to trade uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, and uh, I don't know where he goes. I think he'd like to go to Indianapolis. I'm not sure that Cleveland wants to trade him to uh, uh, to the Colts, but we shall see. But, man, what a what a mess. And does it surprise anybody? that the Cleveland Browns would do something like this. It is such a Cleveland Brown move to do something stupid like this. 
So everything is so public, and you make it so that uh, uh, you irreparably damage uh, a relationship with Baker Mayfield. Now, again, you got your guy, so it doesn't matter. But I'll tell you what, if you're Cleveland, you have taken a huge gamble here. Because in order to get Deshaun Watson, you gave up your first round pick for the next three seasons, along with a third rounder in 2023 and a fourth rounder in 2024. Deshaun Watson better be what everybody says he is before this whole mess with the massage parlor or massage therapist or whatever the hell it is uh, happen. And they better hope that Roger Goodell and the NFL don't suspend him. He was not indicted by a grand jury. They have decided not to press criminal charges, but there's all kinds of civil lawsuits but the NFL is doing its own investigation. And this is much like uh, Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy uh, where you don't necessarily have to have criminal charges to get indicted. Well, what are the Cleveland Browns going to do if Deshaun Watson, the guy that they have given up three first-round picks for, what are they going to do if the NFL says, hey, you know what, you're suspended for eight games? or you're suspended for a whole year, or whatever it is they decide to do. Even if it's only three or four games, the Browns are suddenly uh, behind the eight ball. So he better be damn near perfect when he comes back. you know. And they said they did their due diligence. They said they went down and met with him. They came away satisfied with his character. They said he was humble and sincere and candid and yada, yada, yada. Look, none of us really know what happened. They didn't press charges, so, you know, I don't know what that means. Does it mean he didn't do what they said he did? No. It just means that uh, uh, they weren't sure that they could convince a jury. But it doesn't – look, where there's smoke, there's fire of some kind. And the Cleveland Browns have put themselves in a huge, huge spot here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where Baker Mayfield ends up. But, man, what a train wreck by the Cleveland Browns. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great first day of spring. We leave you this morning with some music from the Highwaymen. It's called Songs That Make a Difference. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.